what a week it's been. So much to talk about and so many things we can't talk about. Me and my friend Mark, we're going to stop watching. <laughs> oh. I'm Mark. And I'm Harris. And we'd like to welcome you to Behind the Gorilla, a podcast where we delve into the wild, wacky, and crazy side of professional wrestling. All right, how's it going, everyone? And welcome to Behind the Gorilla. It's going to be Harris's topic for this show, so, you know, who knows what that's going to be. But it should be pretty interesting. I know we got a lot of stuff to talk about because, uh, again, you know, we thought like last week was the biggest week in wrestling. And then like this week comes and it's like, well, this week was almost just as big as last week, at least as far as just stuff going on. Hey, hey, heel Bailey, <sighs> I want to know if you'll be my girl, Mark. I was really hoping was- we could like. It was Get the greatest moment of my starting. entire life. That is such a shame. <laughs> that is the saddest thing ever. Everyone everyone pray for Harris, please. Because he's had a real rough life. Can I be completely honest with you? I was very excited to see all of this happening. I was even more excited to see like it wasn't a waste of a heel turn and she won the title back immediately, which was just great. I was equally as excited that we would get to talk about it on this show so oh, i could just I freak out that everyone was else half knows of my too. joy was just knowing i would get to do this everyone else knows too harris oh no there was no less than 87 tweets on our <laughs> on our behind the gorilla twitter page and i got all this stuff like i was what was i doing on friday oh yeah i was working on friday and then i was some somewhere else doing something but uh like out out i was out to dinner with the people i worked with that's what it was and then i just got all these things coming through and i was like you know harris was so excited i was like okay this can be one of only two things and it's either something with bailey or david arquette's going in the wwe hall of fame and i so i i had myself get real excited for a moment and then was immediately let, let down i was like no it was bailey yeah yeah it was that is the funny thing about having a joint Twitter account, by the way, because it's usually you, but occasionally I will hop on and say something. Yeah. But also occasionally, like, wh- whoever is running it will tweet, like, 17 things at once, but the other person gets all the notifications. Yes, they do. Yeah, so I knew I knew you would see that, too, and that was probably how you would find out, which is fine. You know, that's a great way to find out. We got some well, great... The, sure. oh, it was just... It was everything you could have hoped for, man. There were videos of children crying on Twitter, and she cut her Bailey buddies down, and uh, it was just it was just great. And she she did a swear mark, she did a cuss on television, and everybody just went nuts. It was great. <laughs> Here's the thing: this might not like this doesn't mean they'll do anything good with her going forward. They they may have completely run out of ideas. This is going to be one of those situations where. Like, they did it with Daniel Bryan. They ran out of things to do, so they just turned him heel. Yep. Daniel Bryan made it work because he was like an eco-terrorist wrestler, and that was fun, and that was different. And he was taking stuff that was still him and trying to package it up into his character. So if they can do that with Bailey, like if she pretends to be nice to people but is just a 
horrible person and doesn't just cut that generic promo that like tells fans to screw off but like pretends that she's still doing it for the children if they can walk that line it's gonna be great they're i don't know if it will be or not line. They, they're probably not no, no she's already said screw everybody i don't care about anyway so they're, like, right, they're not right, doing right, right, right but i'm just saying you can have that first initial outburst and then dial it back and be like and here's the thing you know like there's a lot of stuff they could do with it who knows if it's gonna go anywhere i'm just happy that she's still the champ frankly i think Sure. Her reign kind of was a was lackluster. Like Bailey holding the belt for a few months, always wanting to wrestle more people, and then losing the belt to Charlotte Flair and never getting it back. That's a disappointment. This is not a disappointment. We get more of this character, and I love it. I'm so happy for it. Well, Harris, I'm I'm happy for you. Then I guess I, it's weird to me that you're not like this. In, like. She's a good performer. I don't know why you refuse to even try to enjoy this like a no, little bit. No, she's fine. That's just funny no, to me. Look, and uh, I think I think it's good. I mean, she needed to do something because she was had she had nothing going for you know uh, out uh, for a while, and so I think that was much needed, and I think it'll be well done. I hope so. But at least as of right now, watching because I I watched the whole the the segment and everything. And I'm sitting there and I'm just like, I, I don't I don't believe this. Like, I just, I don't buy her doing this character. So hopefully, you know, and, and that could just be just because we haven't seen it and we're used to the other one. So I'm excited to see what she's able to bring to this. But at least initially, it, it just felt very, it felt very, all right, we have nothing for you to do. Can you do this? And let's just try this. And, and But hopefully it works, though, because it's worked many times with other people in the past. I think the reason I have faith in this, or at least optimism, is they've done a good job building up to it. Like, this feels earned. This didn't come from out of nowhere. They've done a very good job. And this might just be Bailey, like, pushing to let herself be a heel and, like, working in these little details as they went along. But, you know, at first, like, Sasha comes back. Sasha's clearly a heel. And Bailey sides with her, and she's justifying. She's saying, "No, no, no, right. no, no. I'm only doing this. I'm doing this because I'm a role model, and you should you should support your friends." And everyone's like, "Right, yeah, but she's doing some pretty messed up stuff. I don't know about that." Like you start to blur that line a little bit, and then even in in the match with Charlotte, like she's getting more and more violent. She's beating him up backstage, and you know between matches and stuff with Sasha, but she still keeps justifying herself, like she thinks she's the good guy. And then in that first title match with Charlotte, where she lost the title. She tried to pin her with her feet on the ropes very blatantly. It didn't work. The ref called her out on it. And then immediately she starts making excuses. And she's like, no, no, no. I didn't know that was happening. My feet just slipped. Like, whatever. So transparently tried to cheat, but, like, refuses to accept it. And then she's finally just snapped. The steps are all there, and it makes perfect sense. Again, I don't know if they have anywhere to go from here, but it's actual, like – it's a character-driven heel turn. It isn't just one day you're good and the next day you're bad, like for the sake of a shock, you know? It's been a slow burn. They might not have anywhere to go with this now. I, I don't know if she feuds with Charlotte for three more months. I'm not really into that, but... <laughs> you know, the, I mean, the most exciting thing, and I won't I won't talk about this for an hour, like I thought I might, like I threatened to on Twitter, but... um. It's the same thing that people were excited to see about Becky Lynch when Becky quote-unquote turned heel last year at SummerSlam by beating the crap out of Charlotte after their match. Right. It's just – it's seeing a character you care about have some spine. And that's an indictment of WWE that they can't write good guy characters 
that are badasses. True, that is but, true. But, you know, that it always has to start with a heel turn, basically. It has to start with them coming out and saying, nope, I'm not in the business to make friends. I'm in the business to fight. And if I have to be a jerk, that's what I'm going to do. And people like that because, believe it or not, this is a combat sport that we're supposed to be watching. And seeing people <laughs> who try to fight hard and are aggressive and will do anything to win is pretty appealing. It, and yes, it's nice it to see, you know, Bailey is the kind of character who in the past hasn't had that, at least not at the main roster, not for a while. And she did a good job of being a fighting champion, but I was scared she was just going to get kicked back down the card because she doesn't have that edge. And now she does again. So it might go nowhere. We'll just, you know, we'll do weekly checkups on me as they slowly don't know how to book her and she cuts a couple bad promos and then they yank the title off her. But right now, super excited. I know I said like last week was the most exciting time to be a wrestling fan. It's actually this week because we have heel <laughs> Bailey now. Yay. So that that's that's exciting. I, I'm happy for Harris. We're going to get – dude, we're going to get merch that isn't terrible. We're going to get cool like more black and gold Bailey merch or something. It's not going to be all those you know garbage, garish neon tones. Well, that – yeah. That, well, I mean I don't care, but I guess for you that's good. Um some of that stuff is hard to wear in public, man. Yes. Yes, it is, Harris. It, it is. <laughs> That's hence the not buying. But um, anyway, but the other great thing, which is that we need we need new uh, new Bailey buddies because that was one of the funniest <laughs> yeah. tweets I've ever seen um, by uh, MGB, MGB Graham, one of our very loyal Twitter followers and big supporters of the show. And that was a hilarious suggestion saying that he, he wanted to see uh, the Bailey buddies replaced with new ones with like scary, gruesome faces and just a single dark color for Halloween, <laughs> which I think is amazing. I think it's brilliant. I would also love it. My, my other favorite idea is like patched up sad Bailey buddies that have been like hurt <laughs> and surgically reconstructed. I think both of those are great options, but yeah, if, man, it, they're missing such an opportunity not doing Halloween Havoc, but any chance we can get for spooky Bailey buddies, I would just love. That would be incredible. I think it'd be great. Okay, so um, that's really all the WWE stuff I have. I, I don't care about anything else. Um, oh, no, that's not true. We have to talk about Crown Jewel. Holy moly. Um. So everyone already is mostly against these, obviously. Um, they all have sucked. Do you care about a single thing so far that's going on? Because I don't care about much WWE at all going on, but to... Brock Lesnar, Kane Velasquez for the WWE Championship is like the least appealing match I've ever seen. Is it for the championship? Or yes, is it, it just is. A match? No, okay. it is for the championship. No, I mean... My philosophy on these ever since the first one has been I don't really care about any of this stuff, right. but at least they're putting stuff I don't care about on the show I'm not going to watch. That's that is, Yeah, that is a good point. It's a very good point. Boy, remember how totally swerved we were with what these shows were the first time? Yep. We bought well we watched the first one. I know. That's, they got us. I uh, they yes they did. Yes, yes they did. Uh, and Braun Strowman and Tyson Fury. I've never cared less about a match either. Um, no, I mean, don't, I just, I don't care. It's not like stuff like this hasn't happened in the past. Like 
you know, they had oh, Big yeah, Show and a sumo. Big Show has fought a sumo wrestler and Floyd Mayweather. Like, weird stuff like this happens. I agree. But I don't, yeah, I'm not going to watch it. I don't care about Tyson Fury. I don't care about Braun Strowman. Call me when they get Conor McGregor to come <laughs> fight John Cena, and I will watch that. I'm That's not going to watch, like, the D-list version of that, you know? I'm just not. Yeah. Um, anyway, so that's very uninteresting. Um, another WWE thing I saw. Oh, my gosh. Okay, we've talked about this before. I One of the few things I have liked with WWE recently has been Chad Gable. What What is going on? <laughs> I didn't realize until this week watching SmackDown that they're actually calling him Shorty that's Gable. That's the first time. That's the first time they did that. Okay, because I thought it was just like I read Shorty Gable. This is terrible. And I was like, oh, yeah, I guess that's what Baron Corbin's calling him because Vince McMahon hates us. Right. And he's shorter than Baron Corbin, and that's funny. Right. But then this week, I mean, it feels like a rip, right? Yes, it does. It feels like an inside joke. It feels like Baron Corbin misspoke, and they were like, let's make fun of him for it this week. No, it doesn't. It feels like Vince McMahon is laughing in the background maniacally because he thinks Mm -hmm. this is the funniest thing in the world. I tell you, though, you did nail it because you were like, they're just making him a kid. Yes. They're just making him a big 12-year-old. And that's exactly what – yeah, like that's what that does because Chad Gable is like an Olympic wrestler and grown man. And Shorty Gable is like, oh, look at him go. I know. It's terrible. I know. Like the only the only thing I can think of that's like that is when X Pac debuted and beat who was it? Diesel as the one, two, three kid. Like yeah. he was just some random jobber that won a match and like shocked the world and they were like, The kid won, the kid won. But then he became X Pac. Like the transition right. is not serious athlete and then child. It's the other way around. Like there should be development, right? You would think not regression, but here we are. And it just it makes even less sense because they've done this big push with him and he's in this feud with Baron Corbin and has now beaten Baron Corbin, who you just gave a big push of making King of the Ring. And this is making both of them look terrible. I mean, to Baron Corbin's credit, he's doing exactly what a King of the Ring should be doing, which sure. is like an insufferable mid-card heel. Sure. But you gotta have like it. You have to have a good opponent too, like in, to make an interesting feud. It's the same thing that I've heard about. You know, not you don't call your opponent like you don't. You don't belittle your your opponent. I mean, I mean you do, but like there's a way to do it where you're putting yourself over at the same time. Like you want your opponent to seem impressive, so that when you beat them, it makes you look more impressive now it's a little different with certain <laughs> certain heel things i guess but this is like the exact opposite yeah that's true because it makes baron corbin look way more like a doofus when he can't finish right like when he can't beat a man named shorty gable oh man that's nobody yeah, that wins with this bad. nobody wins with this except for vince mcmahon laughing yeah correct who clearly thinks it's hilarious apparently he had the same reaction to the hell in a cell finale that everyone hated and ended with the fans chanting the name of his rival promotion. So I don't know. He's got a weird sense of humor. That's the best well, way. That is one it. thing we've all known. Um, yeah. I just, if, if, if you've learned anything bad. from this podcast, it's, it's that Vince McMahon has a very twisted sense of humor. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, Listen, I, I think everyone enjoys the shoot interviews that you get from a wrestler whenever they leave WWE and go yes, somewhere else and just kind of his is going to be pretty interesting. I, I think that might be the one I'm looking forward to the most. Yeah. I'm pretty curious. Oh man. Um, okay. Uh, I got here. Here's a good transition because there's several things still talk about. We can transition to AEW with that because AEW has a similar, it's a little different with skill set, but a similar type of character, and they are doing it the exact right way in Darby freaking Allen, who's a freaking star and is awesome. Another guy who is even smaller than Chad Gable, and now he's wrestling for the AEW championship this coming week. It's amazing how treating your talent like they're a big deal makes your product seem like a big deal, isn't it? Yep. It's yes. weird how that works. I know, right? Who would have ever thought? If we draw attention to their strengths, like how cool they are, and the fact that he can do this diving attack off a skateboard, and maybe not the things that aren't their strengths, like their stature and their age, then it's a really it's a really exciting thing to watch. That's just it's wild how that works. I know, right? And good grief. I saw his promo that, that he put up on Twitter was in was amazing. Okay. I saw that you posted it. I haven't watched it yet because I was doing research. So explain it to me. I, I I can't. Okay, then I'll just watch it as soon as we stop recording. Or I could just watch it now, actually. Yeah, just watch it now. We'll uh we'll okay. skip we'll skip ahead two minutes and then we'll talk about Harris watching it. Oh, okay. I thought we were just going to do like a live reaction like we did for the XFL teams. Well, I mean, I guess we could do that. Okay, I've got it up now. It's it was awesome. This is interesting because the visuals scream like 1940s horror movie, but the music right. screams Western. Right. You could turn it up. You could ask me. Darby, what is it you want most out of the wrestling business? And I'll look you dead in the eye and tell you this. I want to be the same man leaving as I came in. Mark, this is incredible. Yes. Whoa. Yo. Wait. This is going to be incredible. What? It wasn't over. Okay, well, I, I closed the tab, so it's Wasn't over. over. He, he buttons it with the same thing he start. No, oh, never mind. Sorry, Matt. I didn't. I was like, all right, four seconds. We're, we're out. Okay, I'm sorry. Listen, the moment I was 
the moment it became a great promo is when he said, I want to walk out of this business the same way I came in. Yep. That's the care. Dude, that's incredible. Because can we talk for a second while we're on the topic? Chris Jericho cut one of the best promos I've yes, ever seen. I was going to mention that too. Oh. I was going to mention that too, talking about AEW, because, oh my gosh, that was incredible. Okay, that, that promo was... Like, if you wanted to just point to one thing where it's like, this is what happens when you're in this business for 25 years with the best of the best and are and literally are have just perfected a certain craft, that's the promo I would point to. You're right. I mean, I, I wouldn't say it was one of my favorites of all time, but it right. was just, it was perfect. Well, I, that's he what I mean. did everything he needed to do. Like, it was just a masterpiece. Right. Right. He, he got even, himself over. Oh, sorry. You. Oh well. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I mean, he like he put himself over, but not just you know like oh I'm his entire character. I heard somebody put it this way, and I think it's perfect. Chris Jericho's entire gimmick is being very good and also thinking that he's better than he actually is. Right. And he got that across. He put himself over as le champion, which is just. That's already over. He, That's I just incredible. don't understand, man. He he he. All he has to do is say something really stupid, and then it just becomes a new thing, and it's, it's always be- great. It's because he says it with so much conviction. That's I why. know. I know. It's ridiculous. And, and he puts over himself. He puts over all of these people that he's drafted into his stable. He puts over the promotion. He puts over the new muscle that he has. Yep. With Jake, I thought it was Jake Hager. Yes. He says. Hagar. Yeah, he says it very strange. I think he says it wrong. I think so, too. But I think that's on purpose. I I think so, too. (laughs) And he shuts down the the, the smart marks who are just, you know, wrestling fans are simple. We just chant what we know. We chant the first things that come to our minds. Yes, Yes. And the immediate thing you associate with Jack Swagger is we, the people. And the chant starts, and you can tell Jericho stops. He shifts gears, and then he says, okay, hang on a second, and just lays it down and says, hey, that's stupid. We're not doing it anymore. It was a bad idea from a bad creative team, and it's gone. And everybody goes, yes! Okay! <laughs> Woo! You know. And also, this is the other thing that made that part even better. A lot of people might look at this as, like, this is how good Jericho is. He can take this and come up with this, you know, and have this retort. But it's even smarter than that. He knew 100% they were going to start chanting that and already could map that out. Like, he's so good at it, he didn't even have to make it up on the fly because he anticipated it beforehand. Oh, for sure. For sure. And now, oh, that was that was awesome. But and, there's and still, I, it was just such, it isn't just, hearing the crowd was the best part because they all, like, kind of went silent and then were just like, that was awesome! <laughs> I, I know, I know. I wonder how long... I mean, probably a while if WWE continues to do what it's doing. But how long, like, you can get a cheap pop just by ripping on WWE I, I in an AEW promo? I think literally It's going to be forever. for a while, right? Yeah. It's got to be. I mean, it was just perfect, but it was also just, it was the delivery. Because yeah. this is the thing. Like, any heel on the planet, this is why I think it's a little bit easier to be a heel. If something isn't going well and the crowd's booing you, at any point in time, you can just stop and go, hey, shut up! Shut up when I'm talking and you'll mm-hmm. get more heat. And it's a way to, you know, just needle the crowd about anything. But he didn't do that. He got way more specific and just way smarter with it. You're right, because he knew 
what they were going to do, and he was ready for it. But the way he handled it, not just what he said, but how he said it, the other thing is what made that so good. Is he in that? Mo- I mean, it already kind of happened last week, but he may. Jake Jake Hager has now been turned into the most dominant force in this brand new company. Just just from that, because with him saying that, he just erased anything that we might have thought of with Jack Swagger, and immediately just has him as this terrifying figure, and it's awesome. Yeah, and I mean, like they have to book him well going forward, otherwise right, people also, will be like, "It's true." Like he's right. a legit badass. He was a legit, you know, could have been Olympic wrestler, and and as destroyed people now in MMA like like he's he's a legit badass so everyone's going to believe it if you are putting him in that capacity which they are right and it it cleaned the slate perfectly and you're like it points out all the strengths of the character like I said before it did with Darby Allen you're like okay yep I buy into this guy now I take him seriously let's see what he can do as opposed to him just showing up and you're like oh Jack Swagger's here now that's great you know Mm mm-hmm Yep, and he also put over the match with him and Cody. Um, that was done really well for the pay-per-view. Like, just any single... Like, if there was one promo you would, like, teach in a promo class, I think that is, like, the pinnacle of a wrestling promo. I think that's a great call. And to bring it back to Darby Allen for just a second, that's what makes that video package so good. Because obviously, like, the mood and the delivery and everything is great, but it, it's, it, like, the writing in that. Mm-hmm. That moment where he says, I want to leave this business the same way I came in. I don't want to have a big head like you do, Chris Jericho. Just in that, in a two-minute video, you have a more, character, a more character-driven conflict in this match than anything we've seen in the main event of WWE in like a year. Right, and it's I also— mean, instantly. It, and it's also in all— You know, it, it, I don't know how else to put this, but it's a throwaway title match. Yeah, like it's, you know, but, I don't but doubt Darby making, Allen's going to be good. But. but they're making it, obviously, yeah, obviously it'll probably be really good, but that's not even the point. In general, it's like, okay, this is just kind of a throwaway title match, but they've even made that seem like a big deal. Because it should be. Yeah. Like, there should not be, you shouldn't, it, we're so used to, you know, these throwaway title matches, they've been happening for years, although maybe not all the time. But it's just nice to see this being. It's ultimately it's nice to see the title being taken seriously. If there's ever a title on the line, it should feel like titles on the line. Yeah, and I mean it's it sounds so simple. If somebody doesn't watch wrestling, this sounds like it should be a given in storytelling. But like great fights, like shoot, like shoot fights, like UFC fights. Great fights work when you've got two personalities that you like. And you're excited to see the fight. And then they become great fights when there's personal animosity there, when there's a a clash of styles or personalities that make you sit up and say, I want to see what happens when those two get close to one another. Mm -hmm. And this is delivering that. It's perfect It's because you know they can work. You know it's going to be a good match. But then you've also got this wrinkle of like, no, no, we're not just fighting because this is a sport and I want to take your title. We're fighting because you are arrogant. You are style over substance, and I don't like you. Yep. Boom! Like, that's it. There's that contrast. It's perfect. Yeah, and, and then Co- just... Cody did a great thing, too, because he retweeted Darby Allen's tweet 
and then basically was talking about like kind of their match and then because you know he's set to face Jericho at the pay-per-view full gear and so he threw in can't wait to face Chris Jericho or Darby Allen at at a full gear which I thought was awesome because now he's putting him over too yeah and again it seems like the simplest thing in the world uh hard to do apparently that that does seem like something somebody would you know on WWE say oh yeah I can't wait to fight Triple H in two months. Well, he's got three title matches between now and then, but you know, we've already booked it. Like, it's just, it's little things like that that make it work. I mean, we're going to, I'm going to pivot back to WWE for a second and we don't have to stay here for long, but the, it's the simplest thing in the world. Clearly they want people to cheer for Seth Rollins. They put him in a feud with Bray Wyatt, the fiend, who's supposed to be this big, scary monster. They don't want either of them to lose, so they do the worst thing they could do, which is just 50-50 book it and have a Hell in a Cell match end with what's technically a ref stoppage but feels a whole lot more like a no contest or a disqualification. Right. And the crowd, the show ends with the crowd booing everyone out of the building. How do you not start the next night with Seth Rollins, the guy you want people to like, and the guy whose entire appeal is being a good wrestler, being a fighting champion, just have him come to the ring and say, listen, I know you're pissed, and I'm pissed too. I want to finish that match. Bray, get out here. Mm-hmm. And even if people like – that doesn't make Seth Rollins cool instantly, but it instantly aligns the fans' interests with the guy you want to be the good guy and his interests. Yeah. And then you have – you know, the story becomes, well, Bray Wyatt doesn't care about the title or having a good match. He just wants to mess with Seth, and that's annoying because we want to see a good match. Just – Make a little bit of effort to tell some sort of story instead of just, I don't know, not putting them on television because right. that'll make the problem go away. That's fine. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. And nobody, Woo! no one thinks about it already. Um, yeah. I try about, not to. Yeah, me too. Some other stuff at AEW. I thought it was interesting seeing the Young Bucks lose to Private Party. And boy, that was a weird, that was a weird match. Like, that was a strange match, and it was a strange, strange commentated match. I, I, I'm not, I, I'm not quite sure what they're trying, they're, they're clearly, like, going somewhere, and, and I'm not, I'm just not quite sure where it is yet, but it's pretty intriguing, because it was almost, the Bucks were heels in that match, like, from start to finish, and it was very strange, just seeing that, and kind of the way the commentary team was depicting it. And I'm just, I don't know. I, I can't quite tell where it's going, but the match was great. And it was an inch. And I think it's, I think it's interesting seeing the Bucks lose in the first round of the tag team tournament, but I don't know. I just feel like there's something, uh, something brewing. Yeah, you might be right. To me, it didn't feel like they were obnoxiously heelish. I mean, I guess that they yeah, were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, no, not, not like obnoxiously, but they clearly were. Right. Well, I think. I think this goes back to them, you know, theoretically trying to present this as a sports product, as a fighting promotion. Yeah. And they were they were heels in the way that they worked because they're the Yankees of the tag team division. You know what right, I mean? Like right. everyone yeah, yeah, yeah. knows like they are half the reason this show exists. You have to treat them like they're a big deal coming into this match. True. And I feel like that's what a lot of commentary was trying to do is drive home the point, especially for people who, you know, have never seen being the elite and are new to all, the, all this. They're putting the Bucks over as a huge deal, and the Bucks are 
playing it really cocky the whole time. Right. And also so that when it, they lose, it makes private party look better. Like, right, I think it right. worked really, really well no, and me not too. booking the, you know, it's kind of the same way that like everyone knows a big part of the reason the show got made is because of Kenny Omega. You're not going to push Kenny Omega super hard immediately and have him win the title. Right. You know, you're going to use him to elevate other people and build the roster up. So you have a lot more toys to play with. Mm-hmm. I think it's brilliant. Also, uh, not really related to the outcome. This was my first real exposure to Private Party, other than, you know, because they're usually just kind of like the undercard on pay per views and stuff. Mm-hmm. Being billed as from a place you weren't invited to <laughs> and weighing something like 24 ounces of vodka, incredible. <laughs> Absolutely fantastic. I yeah, love it. It's pretty awesome. It was the perfect balance, I think, of like sports centric presentation of wrestling yes, like all the yes, stuff that i yes. said like you have jr and tony shivani talking about how elite the bucks are and how good they are and it was a crazy athletic fun match with like a cool counter of the Meltzer driver at the very end it was and putting both of the bucks and private party over as these weird like kind of colorful teams yeah yeah no i agree um i enjoyed that um let's see i didn't really care what much the, um, right. what's the name of the other tag team that had the run-in at the pay-per-view and we didn't know who they were what lax do you remember do you mean lax no 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 no. i know who lax is the guys who sh- what was that huh maybe no 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 no. it was the guys who were, they were the super smash bros oh the oh, 80s, oh but they can't oh, be that oh. anymore because of nintendo oh yeah 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 i don't remember I guess we still don't know who they are. I just remember that they showed up and a bunch right. of people like marked out and the rest of us just went, what? Yeah, I didn't, I didn't really, <laughs> who are you? I didn't really know them. I'm sorry. Okay. Well, we still don't. That's fine. Right. They're well, in it we at will. some point. I was we just going to say, I was going to say, I kind of hope they lose so we can continue to put off knowing <laughs> anything about them. That would be pretty funny. Yeah, that'd be a pretty funny gimmick for, for them. Um, the women's tag match, I didn't really care much about, although I can't figure out why they didn't have the first champion be Britt Baker because she's clearly the top of this division and is making Rio and other like us not care about these other people when she's involved. And so I don't I just don't get why she wasn't the first champion because she clearly is the focus. I think it's kind of the same thing they're trying to do everywhere else, which is say, okay, hey, Cody's not going to win the title right away. The right. Bucks aren't going to win the title right away. Yeah. We're going to save like some of who we know is our best talent and our biggest faces to like chase but, later on. But the biggest totally guy is you. the champion. The most known person in the whole company yeah. is the champion. You're right. You're right. And so it just seems we- like the biggest feud is this Priestley and Baker feud. Clearly, that's the one everyone cares about. And and um, it just it made now the champion who's in this thing and it just we didn't care. Yeah, I'm gonna be honest with you. I I don't know much about hardly any women. Yeah, me, in too, this, me neither. In this show, it's not. I that part of that is listen. I haven't gotten to watch all of every show like I want to yet, so I need to catch up and get into it a little more. Mm-hmm. But I couldn't. I, I might be able to pick Britt Baker out of a lineup. I couldn't pick anyone else out of a lineup right now. So yeah, I'm not really equipped to comment on that. But also. Do any of them have characters? I just feel like not, it's not really Britt Baker and then a lot of the Japanese ones. And that's like that's my impression of the entire. And um, is Awesome Kong still around? Or is that yeah, just yeah, yeah. No, no, she, See, I don't, no like, she is, I think. OK, OK. There's just like I don't 
I don't know a lot about these women yet. And I'm not, yeah. I'm not trying to, you know, say, oh, they all suck or anything like that. I just, I feel like we haven't seen enough to really get into anyone. There hasn't been yeah. like a Darby Allen video promo moment for any of these women yet. Yeah. Uh, Moxley and Spears. I feel kind of bad for Spears. Seemed like they were kind of trying to push him to something, and now he just keeps losing. So nobody really cares I, anymore. But I mean, I get the point of this. This was just because Moxley's back, so I totally get it. Um, but you know that match was good. It was it was fine. It helped Moxley. Yeah, I mean, you can sure. either you can either be like a low like a mid card heel on AEW, or you cannot be on television on <laughs> WWE. Right, take your pick. Like, right, right, right. So that that was that was fine. That worked, and it, that's obviously just building up Moxley and uh, Mo, uh, or uh, Moxley and um, Pac. So that that's going to be great once oh, they yeah. finally get to explode. And that's so that 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 it did its job and and helped push that forward. And then the main event was main event was fun too. Uh, Dustin and Page versus uh, Guevara and Chris Jericho, and that was another just fantastic tag match that just told a million stories and the heels again you know just dominating themselves but then the the biggest thing AEW does what every wrestling thing used to do and then just quit in like the 2000s when the when the giant group of heel wrestlers starts beating up baby faces more people come to help them like that I don't understand why that was just thrown away by WWE in the 2000s. That was always a thing because it makes no sense for everyone else just to stand back there and let these people get beat up. And so I love that they're finally doing that. And there's, it feels like a big deal. Now there's this big heel thing that is a threat to the rest of them and they're responding logically. And I love it. Yeah, I think you nailed it. I think it may, it creates this sense of camaraderie in the locker room. I think you also kind of have to do it, to be honest, with because the AEW roster is fairly small. You have to get these guys interacting with one another Yeah, because you can't run the same match week after week after week after week like WWE does. I mean, you don't want to do that anyway because it gets boring, but the more you have these guys interact with one another, you the more you can have moments like, uh, Darby Allen, you're in a title match now. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I totally so agree. You're, you're, I, I feel like you can't, it kind of ruins the fun when you have the entire locker room clearing out every night. But I th- think you're, you're right. I think it's a smart move. It does make sense, especially in what, like, in kayfabe would be a really tight-knit locker room. Yeah. You know? And, 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 you know, and Cody got an awesome entrance where the lights all went out and then he just comes in and just starts attacking Guevara and hits just that freaking incredible crossroads that Guevara took so well. Oh, that looked awesome. And then, you know, then just stares down Jericho, but then, but then he gets beat up again when, uh, LAX, who I don't remember what their names are. They're not LAX anymore because that's owned by Impact Wrestling, but them to, you know formerly known as LAX came in and then right. beat him. It was just, it was just a great segment in the show and to keep it where like, you know, this is a problem that needs to be addressed. This heel group. And, really and then of course, would... and then of course Darby Allen gets the moment where he comes flying down on a skateboard and just obliterates Jericho and everyone's just like, ah! <laughs> cause we're like, we've That's seen everything. It's Why has nobody amazing. done this before? It's a, it's amazing that nobody's done this before. Like not once in the We've early two thousands did anybody figure that out. We've seen people like fly. We, I saw we saw Jeff Hardy like surfboard on a stretcher 
down the ramp to attack uh I think it was Matt Hardy or Edge or some yeah. I think it was Matt Hardy. We saw that and we haven't I mean, seen it. To be fair, Vince McMahon's timeline is always like ten years behind, so now like watch, now we're gonna get like a skateboard character. Shorty Gable's <laughs> gonna come out with a board next week. If he did that, I would actually get really into it. If it just became like a full blown quarter life crisis. And he's just he's wearing clothes found in like Tony Hawk pro skater. Yeah. Oh, that would that would be awesome. Actually, that'd be very funny. Okay, here's the other thing. AEW, because you're obviously listening, you can have this one. Call them LAX, but like EX, like XLAX. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> they're not LAX, they're LAX. That would, that would Problem be Problem solved. Funny, You've done it. That'd be funny. Um, anyway, so another, but another awesome AEW show, and it's just looking better and better, and it's, it's wonderful, and I'm super pumped because it's great. I just love that there's wrestling now that I want to watch every week. And I'm really excited about. So that's a whole lot of fun. Yeah. Um, um, go ahead. I was just, you might have been about to transition to this, but the last thing I want to talk about, it is incredible how NWA yep. managed to create a show that literally feels exactly like Southpaw Regional Wrestling, except it's all <laughs> just played straight. Like it's, it's incredible. <laughs> well, it's not. It's, it's everything like the way it's just the set no, looks no, like no, Harris, it was made four Harris, years ago. Harris, Southpaw Regional Wrestling was made to look like the '80s studio television shows, and that is what NWA looks like. I mean, they literally have the same set as like the NWA '80s right. TV show. Like, like if you watch like Mid South Wrestling or any of that, like it has the same look. You have all the flags everywhere. Like it's it's all the same, and it is awesome. It's it's so surreal, but you're right. No, it's awesome. It's just, it's a weird. It's a different kind of vintage. You I'm know, that's so what it is. Like mad. I didn't force myself to go to that show. Dude, I'm we're so absolutely gonna go mad. at some point. Dude, it's it in December. Awesome. The next tapings are in December, like fifteenth or something like that. Like second okay. week of December, and we are going to that because it is gonna be awesome. Absolutely. Oh, I love. Gonna... I loved watching that so much. Do you think they have it booked yet, or can we try to Shanghai David Arquette on the show? Ooh. I just want to see Mark. You know what I like about this, too? They are going out of their way to make NWA its own thing. Yes. Starting right from the get-go when you have Jim Cornette sitting there on commentary, and you're like, you know what this is going to be. This is going to be an (laughs) old-school wrestling show. And they're talking about it. They're like, yeah, you know, you have all these kids in the – you have all these kids in the wrestling business nowadays, but we've got men here, big, strong men, ready to fight. <laughs> You're just like, awesome, yes. Please make this the thing. This is the brand. Like, that's that's fantastic. Just let David Arquette show up as the Andy Kaufman-esque, like, Hollywood bad guy traipsing all over the NWA and its hallowed wrestling tradition. It writes itself, man. It's perfect. I agree. I, I realize we, I just we need booked to... David Arquette to turn heel again, but yeah, you, know. you really are trying. Yeah, he's not gonna like. There's that, so but... much potential there. Mark. <laughs> it's so good. All right, well, we'll we'll start working on him. We'll, we'll start working on him and on uh, Billy Corgan. We'll get in with him and uh, try and try and make this happen. Because I agree with you. I think it needs to happen. Uh, but man, just and again, it's not even just the look. Like the matches are booked like old school wrestling. Like. 
I mean, not quite. I mean, because you're seeing obviously more high spots still, because it's just that's just the way we wrestle now. But but even just watching the way they move around in the ring and the stuff like that, it it felt like watching old old school wrestling, and I enjoyed it. And the best part is James Storm and Josephus, like fighting around the arena for like. 20 minutes before getting in the ring and then we we like cut back from another match and then they're like come bar like barreling out of the backstage area still fighting that or still like chasing each other that was very funny and then storm won in 10 seconds once they actually got in the ring and that was very funny yeah oh it was and then the dude that main event was awesome nick aldis is a perfect champion and then wrestling tim storm the old the old veteran on his last legs who was the champion and is trying anything to get it back and agrees to one more match and if he doesn't win he can never like go for the title again that guy put on a better promo than anyone in the entire week of wrestling because you totally believed everything this guy said. And you're like, yeah, they, they, this is everything to this guy. And it's his last chance. Like, it was just, oh, it was so good. It was so good. It was all, I hope they can keep this going for a while. I don't know how they're making any money. Because aren't they just putting them up on YouTube right now? Yeah, YouTube and Facebook. I guess depending on how expensive live. it is, you know, you can make money. Yeah, you can make, you know, some ad revenue on YouTube. I just right. don't know if. You know, if he's hoping to get picked up somewhere or not, but yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not I sure love it. The yeah, goes. but that was oh, it was I awesome. Enjoy it, and it's, it's so it's, totally different, and it's so much fun to watch. Yeah, um, absolutely. All right, some other things. Oh yeah, I wanted to mention one thing. Uh, kind of with AEW, uh, Luchasaurus is becoming a one of the best social media follows in all of wrestling, and I would highly recommend everyone following him on everything because it is hilarious he posted a picture today with him at like an arcade and you know those you know the jurassic park like arcade game Mm -hmm. he's like standing next to it like with his head in his hands and just said sometimes you just need to take a moment (laughs) it's hilarious the yes the other day jungle boy okay because apparently a movie's coming out. Uh, Dwayne Johnson and Emily Blunt are making uh, Disney's Jungle Cruise. Right. Uh, I've seen the poster for that. Right. Uh, they're making that. So Jungle Boy tweeted at Luchasaurus, can you please take me and Marco stunt to see this? And, Luch- <laughs> and Luchasaurus quote tweeted and said, as long as it's educational. <laughs> oh, I love it. And then there was another one. Uh, there's some uh, wrestling event happening, which is pretty cool. I think it's it's breed wrestling. And they're doing an event called Star Cave. Uh, yeah, wrestling. <laughs> I'm already in. I already love it. <laughs> wrestling in a cave. And uh, I'm not sure how any of this works, but just Luchasaurus tweeted about it and said, brings me back. Those cave guys were real jerks. Like he, Okay, I'm going to have to follow him then. He's becoming amazing. so much fun to follow on social media and he's fantastic and and jungle express is awesome and i love watching them every time they're on screen because they're just okay the best oh man while we're on this note the other one you should follow if you don't already is oni lorkin yes a treasure (laughs) he is a good follow too 
He, is. he just, yeah, I mean, it's so simple too. Like he just tweets everything in all caps. Yep. Even if it's like a mundane story or like something that happened. My favorite one is in all caps. He said, once when I was just getting started wrestling, I talked to an indie fed, a backyard fed, and they were going to have me come in and be their old school wrestler that used old school moves. And we talked about it a lot and we were really excited. But my mom said no because she thought it was weird. <laughs> All caps. Just with this picture of a little screaming man in the corner. It's uh, awesome. That is great. That is great. Um, and then the last thing before we get into the actual episode, 40, no, 50 minutes in. Um, well, we got to talk about what's up with David Arquette. And, well, there's there's not a ton up, but he did another Bob Ross painting, like, seminar, and so that's pretty cool. I saw that. Okay, um, this might be the week, if we can make time for it, that we uh, we decide to watch a David Arquette film and discuss yeah, it. Cause... we do need to do that. We need to do a, we need to do, okay, I'm not sure which one, because we're in Halloween month, so right. we need to do either Scream or Eight Leg Freaks. And I think we should do yeah. Scream because it's just more Halloween appropriate. But but also we should do Eight Legged Freaks. Yeah. So I'm trying to. I mean, I I I haven't seen Eight Legged Freaks. Scream is a very good movie, so I'm kind of yes, inclined to say Scream just for that reason. <laughs> we'll work it up. We'll work it out off the air because we, you know, it'll just depend on what we're in the mood to watch. I think. But I think that should be that'll be part of our David Arquette segment next week is discussing. Yep. Insert David Arquette movie here. Yeah, we we are definitely going to do that. So so stay tuned for a uh, a David Arquette themed episode coming up because uh, that'll be that'll that'll be fun. That'll be fun. Heck yeah! All, All right. right, now it's time you to do the actual show. An hour into recording. Woo! I feel like okay. Well, first of all, this has been. I feel like this has been really good. I feel like a lot of good stuff is happening in wrestling that like actually warrants us talking about current events for an hour for a change because yeah, yeah. a lot of times it's just us rambling about the stuff we hate and this is a lot of the stuff we like yeah and i just want to apologize because that stops now <laughs> um this Great. isn't really one of those topics that's like oh i actually I, I i didn't know much about this but i started to watch it and i had a good time no it's um you can go ahead and cross one off your list mark it's it's time I don't. I it's don't, long past I don't, time. I don't. I don't like that. I don't like that idea. That that, so, that worries me. I mean, to be fair though, the last couple I've done have been that same thing, where it's like, oh boy, this is terrible. But oh well. Yeah. So you know, we, we talked about this last week a little bit. Like the the more things change, the more things stay the same. And in many ways, WWE in two thousand and two was not all that different from WWE today. You have a lot of talent. You're not quite sure how to manage. Wait a minute, hold on, Harris. Split. You're yep. you're staying in 2002. Yep. Good grief! I feel like we do this every time. We end up doing like four episodes in a row on the same year. Boy. The clusters of bad wrestling are very interesting, it, it, aren't they? It, it, There's like, isn't it? I'm telling you, and I know which one you're doing. And yep, it it, it is true. It does seem to work because I know we talked about 2011. We've done like 12 episodes on that year. And each time we do one, we're watching stuff, and it's like, oh, yeah, this was going on at this time. we got to do that, too. Yeah, yeah, basically, except <laughs> here's the thing. 
this is the one that we all knew was going on at this time. Um, yeah. Because in 2002, like I said, there was a lot of talent on the roster. They, they had just started a brand split. They weren't quite sure what to do with it, but they I think they were handling it well, even though they were clearly just kind of winging it. Um, they had this, this big, scary, supernatural character that they were really trying to push and fans seemed to really be into. They had a champion on Raw who was you know, really trying to be dominant and he was a heel. So he was really trying to be, you know, a jerk, but not remembered super fondly in his title reign. And, um, they also had ludicrously inappropriate sexual content in their storylines. Uh, the difference between (laughs) WWE in 2002 and WWE in 2018 is that in 2002, they just smashed them all together. (laughs) All three at once. Um, yeah, yeah. Okay, the thing I did learn about this angle, we're going to start with the good stuff. The first week of this angle is like 90% great, and I'm being serious. The good news about this, it only takes place over the course of a month. So don't (laughs) worry, I'm not going to drag you through an entire year in this poor character's life. So October 2nd, 2002, almost exactly 17 years ago, it's, you know, it's October. We got spooky stuff going on, and we've got Kane... And his tag team partner, Hurricane, creatively named Hurric-Kane. Which is an awesome tag team. Yeah, it's pretty great. <laughs> <laughs> Although, They're to be fantastic. fair, anything Hurricane has ever been a part of, ever, is awesome. Mm-hmm. And they, Kane is at this weird stage where, like, he's still masked. He's still a creepy monster. But he also is basically just playing Glenn Jacobs. Like, he's just this big, tough dude from Tennessee, and he kind of... Like, he almost has an accent when he cuts promos, and he's just this big, hairy, scary red man. But it complements the hurricane really well, because the hurricane is just, like, four feet tall and bleeding heart sincerity with everything he says. <laughs> he's just very, very earnest, and it's a great it's a great combination, right? So this, this episode of Raw is a Raw roulette, right? Eric Bischoff is the GM. And he's doing his own version of the, you know, spin the wheel, make the deal sort of moment. I'm sure other, you know, shows and promotions have done this where he's got the gimmicked wheel and they're spinning but Harris, to see who gets what. But Harris, spin the wheel, make the deal was not a gimmicked wheel, right. hence yep. the coal miners glove match. Yeah. No, I was going to say, the difference is it's actually properly gimmicked. So the things that they do match the storyline. Yeah, go back you know, and listen like, to that episode lost- uh, back oh, on uh, Behind the Gorilla Archives. <laughs> Check, check that one out. Spin the wheel, make the deal, and you won't regret it. Because they – right. They learned something, I think. Like, for example, this isn't even part of the episode, but, like, it takes place in Las Vegas, which was, like, the inspiration for the whole thing. That's why it's a giant, you know, roulette wheel sort of thing. There's one match called, like, a showgirls match where you have to wrestle, like, dressed in a showgirls outfit. And, of course, they put gold dust in it. Who loves it and is like super excited for it? Just little things like that all night are really nice touches. But they book the tag titles, which are held by Hurricane, for a TLC match for the main event, which is already a pretty cool touch. Like that's a cool main event. And then Eric Bischoff for the the opponents in the match drafts the three TLC veterans that he has on his brand. So he takes Devon Dudley, or I'm sorry, Bubba Ray Dudley, Christian, and Jeff Hardy, and says, all right, you guys are on Raw. Pick anyone you want to be your partner. 
And the whole show is building up to this match, right? So who are they going to pick as champions? There's like a vignette every, you know, 20 minutes or so. And Christian, he doesn't want to tag with any Americans because he hates Americans. He's team all the way. And Chris Jericho just recently lost the Intercontinental title to Kane. So not only does Kane hold the IC title, he holds one half of the tag team championships, which are up for grabs tonight. So Christian drafts Chris Jericho to be on his team to try to go get the tag titles instead, right? And Bubba Ray Dudley, he just decides to keep it close to home, someone he knows he knows he can trust. He picks Spike Dudley. So they're ready for the match. And then finally, Jeff Hardy decides to go with, like, the other daredevil, and he drafts Rob Van Dam to be on his team. So you've got yeah. this cool combination of Kane and the Hurricane, which are just like a fun, weird tag team combination, right? They offset each other really well. Right. And these three TLC veterans and three new partners who you know are good wrestlers or at least good bumpers, but don't have a lot of TLC experience. And it's the main event of Raw, and the whole show has been building up to this match. And it's an awesome match. This match is awesome, and it's a great match. Uh, there's one other thing going on during this time because not only does Kane have the Intercontinental Championship and one half of the tag team titles, but he also, in two weeks, has a pay-per-view match with Triple H for the World Heavyweight Championship. So really heavy push of Kane coming up here. You you might yeah. be forgiven for thinking. Uh, Kane, Kane's, Kane's And at some point, up. you know, earlier in the show, yeah, so it's starting to right before the match. Kane is giving an interview, and somebody runs and says, hey, Triple H and Ric Flair are beating up the Hurricane. And Kane runs off to help him, but finds out they've already laid him out. He's out of the match, and clearly Triple H is, no! you know... No! Yeah, it's really disappointing, Aww. right? But clearly Triple H, you know, it's a great heel move. He's assuming Kane, best-case scenario, loses the titles. But even if he somehow wins, he's going to get so beaten up, like, it'll, it'll carry over into their match in two weeks. I... I really think like this particular angle of the show is perfectly booked and it gets all the way up to the main event. The crowd clearly really likes Kane because he's got this weird like demon, but also sort of redneck charisma going on. And eventually he overcomes the odds and wins the tag titles himself. And it's not even something that, you know, buries the other teams necessarily because the nature of TLC is you take so much punishment. That it's kind of understandable. I mean, they basically, like, Kane gets taken out early because he's only one guy. But by the end of the match, like, everybody has been put through a table or thrown off a ladder. And Kane is able to stagger up to the top and win. And it works. It's a great match. And if the show faded to black right here, like, this wouldn't, we wouldn't be talking about it at all. But it doesn't. Um, as Triple H starts to make his way down the ramp... And he's cutting one of those, you know, infamous Triple H promos that takes five words to say what, you know, one word could have done. <laughs> and he, he points out that earlier in the night, Kane, in an interview, said, you know, for the first time in my life, I'm happy. <laughs> which is which is a very sad statement. Also a great, like, babyface move for just, poor old Kane. That's yeah, sad. Just to like make Harris you feel bad for him. his greatest moment of his life was he- Heel Bailey. Well, let's hope it doesn't go in that direction because the next thing that Triple H says is, you know, Kane, not everyone gets to be that happy, Kane. Remember Katie Vick? Yeah. I know everything, Kane. 
This is why, by the way, <laughs> we talked about great promos earlier in the show. This is not one of them. <laughs> this is this is why people think wrestling is a bad soap opera because of promos like this. Because the show ends with Triple H standing on the ramp and saying, I know everything, Kane. Ten years ago, you killed her. That's right, Kane. You're a murderer. <laughs> and that's how the show fades to black. It's not with Kane like overcoming the odds and staring down Triple H. It's with Triple H going, hey, you killed a girl once, and both people going, wait, what? Uh, <laughs> and then the show ends. Yay. So, yep, yep, yep. This was like number three on the list. But it's been sitting mm-hmm. there for two years, and I don't want to do it. So I'm I'm happy that you're doing it. Yep. Yeah. Just like the uh, just like just like May Young and the Hand. I didn't, I wasn't gonna do that one either, and and you had to do that. So, thank you. <laughs> I appreciate yeah, no it. problem, buddy. I I think we all like this is known. If, if somehow you don't know this, if you listen to this as a courtesy to me or Mark, and you're not a huge wrestling fan, the Katie Vick, I'm gonna call it the Katie Vick incident. Is, is probably the most infamous bad thing to happen in wrestling history. I feel like David Arquette is also up there to Un- no fault Unjustly. Yes. This, hey, this one is justified, y'all. Yes, yes. So it's yeah. clear, I think it's clearly the worst. Um, I agree. So, mystery, intrigue, that, that great pro wrestling angle we did for the entire show, that's not good enough. We need to throw some, uh, we need to throw some soap opera nonsense in here. So, the next week... We open the show, and Hurricane is defending the tag titles against Christian and Jericho. It was an improvised team last week. They've come back this week. It's a straight-up, you know, normal tag team match. And, of course, commentary spends the entire match just debating whether or not Kane is innocent, right? Oh, boy. Uh, at one point, you know, JR, this is Jerry and JR still, so it's it's some quality commentary throughout. At one point, JR says, well— You've been a falsely accused of stuff before, right? Haven't you, Jerry? And Jerry says, well, yeah. He says, and how did that feel? Did it feel good? And Jerry says, well, no, but how do we know that he's being falsely accused? I mean, I know that I was. And you're like, well, yeah. Okay. Hey, Harris, Harris, are you like, do you constantly cover your phone with like a pillow? No. Can you not hear me? It keeps going like it, it's not going out, but it keeps like sounding like you're covering the end of the mic with like something. Oh, I no! I, it must just be the way I hold the phone. Well, okay. Well, yeah. well I'll be just, more careful. I'll just, I'll just hold it. Just hold it very carefully. Yeah, it's a good idea. Let's let's do the whole cool. podcast like an ASMR <laughs> video from now on. Talking about Kate, Kate Vick. Right. I right, I think Harris, that honestly so might be next? the dumbest thing. We've... What happened next? <laughs> I can't. I'm not doing this. I'm sorry. It's it's oh. too dumb even for this show. That is we'll not do, true. We'll do a whole show next April Fool's Day. We'll do that instead of pitching actual gorillas. We'll oh, just do just, the whole you show just, like that. You just spoiled that. it. You spoiled I, it. It's fine. We'll have a bunch of we'll have a bunch of new listeners by April. All right. We'll I'll I'll I'll, I'll beep it out. All right. <laughs> I don't know. Just, just, you know Perfect. what, Harris? Just censor like thirty-five seconds of audio. Yeah, we've, we've, no, let's, we've wasted enough time. Back, back, back to the story. Back to the story. So, 
commentary is trying to figure out whether or not Kane is innocent of this horrible thing that Triple H vaguely alluded to the week before. Kane is clearly not ready to talk about it because he's refused to take any interviews before the show even started. Like there was a cold open where they try to catch him on his way into the arena and he just brushes past them and eventually he just he goes on a rampage. He starts beating Christian up outside of the ring, forgets about Hurricane in the ring, like loses track of the match. And Jericho ends up stealing the titles by rolling up Hurricane and getting his feet up on the ropes. The ref doesn't see it. And now, effectively, Triple H and his mind games have cost Kane and the Hurricane the tag team titles. Oh, and boo. Yeah, so already not off to a great start. Uh, Kane, you know, the show continues, but we cut back to Kane just going on a rampage backstage. And, it, you know, understandably so. And Hurricane is trying to tell him, you know, quite rightly, hey, listen— this is just Triple H trying to play mind games, dude. Like, don't listen. You have a match against him in a week. You can't let him get to you. And Kane is, you know, he can't, he won't calm down. He tells him to go away. He just wants to be left alone. And he's smashing stuff. And the backstage interviewer, a woman named Terry, comes up and says, Hey, buddy, Kane, friend, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not here as, you know, an interviewer right now. I'm here as your friend. And I'm telling you, you need to talk about this. You need to tell everybody what happened. You need to get out in front of it and get it off your chest because you have a title match in a week and you're not going to be ready for it if you spend all week freaking out about this, right? And, and, and Kane and says, just, and you're th- this is Terry Runnels, yeah, who was the actual wife of Dustin Rhodes at one point, but that's neither here nor there. That that I I didn't know that. I probably should have. It makes sense. They have the same name, but never thought about it. <laughs> That's not a bit. I'm like, oh yeah, no, I'm I'm learning something here today. Any, any, anyway, so so Kane says, it's just, it's very funny because he's still dressed and you know sort of acts like this supernatural fire monster, but he's also just a guy because Terry Runnels sits him down and is like, hey buddy, you doing okay? You want to talk about it? And he's like, you're right, Terry Runnels, I really should talk about it. And then he goes out to the ring and starts to cut a promo, and he talks about how yeah yes. It's time for me to come clean. And he talks about, well, Katie Vick was a friend of mine and Katie Vick is dead, but I didn't kill her. It was an accident and I am not a murderer. And then he goes Yay. into this tragic backstory and you know, the crowd is just giving him the what chant this entire time. Like it's just brutal because <laughs> he's, you know, he's trying to say Katie Vick was a friend of mine and she was my friend when I started doing wrestling. What? And she was the only person who'd showed up to those matches where I would, you know, get beaten up and lose because I was so new. And they're like, what? You know, but as the story goes on, he talks about how Katie Vick was a good friend of his. And then one night they were at a party and she had too much to drink. So Kane decided to drive her home and he didn't really know how stick shift worked. And it was raining and the weather was bad. And then an animal jumped in front of them and he swerved out of the way. And hit a tree, and he broke his arm, but she was killed instantly. And, and it's very sad, and it haunts him to this day, but he didn't kill her. He's not a murderer. Uh, uh, Harris, I want to yep. pause for a second. Yep. Um, All this is great, but all I can think of is Terry Runnels telling him, like, you know, you really need to talk about this and be like, you know what, you're right. 
And then as she leans in to like be there for him, he just like, I'm going to the ring and just starts going out. So she's like, no, I meant here with me. <laughs> okay. That's all I can think of. That is, is kind of what I thought was going to happen. I thought it would be like him telling his trusted <laughs> friend and not like, let me make my way to the ring. But, but I guess it works. I don't know. I mean, here's the thing. Like, this is not what you want your pro wrestling to be, especially with how good the week before was and how like sports centric it felt. Um, I, the th- it's not terrible. Like Kane's delivery of all this for like as as nonsensical as it is, his delivery's pretty good. The crowd, to their credit, when they realize kind of that he's trying, stop heckling him because he is the babyface here. Like they're gonna let him get it out, and. The fact that Kane is, like, wearing a mask and has, like, long hair covering his face under the mask kind of helps because you can't – he doesn't have to be that good of an actor. As long as he sounds a little choked up, like, you give him the benefit of the doubt as the baby face. It's not good, but it's not awful. Like, up until this point, I'm kind of like, yeah, this is fine. You know, it's not great, but it's fine. And then, you know, um, Triple H comes back out. And – to his credit, gets a great heel reaction because Kane has just, you know, bared his soul here. And Triple H comes out and goes, oh, boo-hoo, Kane. You know, like, look at this big idiot. His friend died. And he he, he he comes out and he says, well, since you're out here bearing your soul to the world, why don't you tell everybody the whole truth? And the crowd is, you know, they're booing, but they're also kind of booing, not because Triple H is a heel, but because they don't want this to be happening right now, which – Strap in. Um, Triple H goes on to accuse Kane of also drinking at this party where, you know, the the incident began and said that the cops found beer cans in the car at the accident and scattered all over the scene of the accident. And then he, he said that the doctors, when they did the autopsy on Katie Vick's body, found Kane's semen inside of her. So, Kane, while Triple H is going through all of this, just, like, stands in the ring for way longer than any sane human being would because I feel like you fight him instantly when he interrupts you at this point. Right. He just lets Triple H run him down, accuse him of all this stuff, and then go on to say, you know, well, you actually really loved her, and she didn't love you because you're a big, creepy, burnt man, and who could ever love someone like that? And, you know, she was just your friend, and you got friend-zoned, you big, dumb idiot. Just on and on and on. Like only Triple H can. And then he finally gets to it, and he finally says, so what I want to know, Kane, is did you force poor Katie Vick to have sex when she was still alive, or did you just wait until she was dead? And then you cut straight to a commercial break. And I assume that there are people out there who that was the last thing they ever saw in pro wrestling and they <laughs> never went back. You're, yeah, you're probably right. And, you know, I don't blame them. I don't blame them because it's pretty bad. You cut straight to commercial. You cut straight back. And just in case you thought, well, maybe there will be a wrestling match going on now. Maybe a character I like will be fighting someone else that i like nope it's just a replay of triple h saying it again just like daring you like are you sure are you sure you don't want to watch anything else right now on this lovely monday night you're sticking with this huh runs through the replay 
says it again. And we cut back to Terry Runnels interviewing Triple H backstage. And the question is basically just, dude, like what? What? Are you serious? Are you serious? Did you do that? And Triple H says, you know, well, he's only he, he says that he's only stating the facts. And, you know, I, I, he thinks people should know. He thinks Kane's a big old psycho and people should know what they're getting into with him. And it cuts, as he's giving this promo, it cuts to one kid in the crowd holding a sign that says Kane is innocent. And you're like, oh, that's kind of cute. <laughs> And then it cuts to another person who's a little bit older who has a sign that says, Kane is not a murderer. He is a freak. (laughs) 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 Which is, which is weird and not. Well, but very funny, just funny that they picked those two things out. So triple H is, is trying to pretend that he doesn't see what the big deal is. You know, he's just here to unlock the truth and, you know, all these horrifically offensive things that he's saying and insinuating, well, they, you know, they offend him too. That's why we have to get to the bottom of this, right? Of course. So here's the thing. You, you would think all of this is building up to the title match that they had at the pay-per-view, right? Right. It's all mind games, right? Yeah, of course. It's all about the well, title. It's all about the title, Harris. It's all about, you know, it's all about the game and how you play it, one might say. And it's, you know, it's all about these mind (laughs) games from Triple H. Except you get to the pay-per-view and they have a match and uh, Ric Flair cheats and helps Triple H win. And you think, well, that was a little bit of a letdown. But at least, you know, we can move. Maybe he'll move on to a new feud and Kane can focus on getting the tag titles back. And we can leave all of this behind. Nope. (laughs) Nope, we cannot. We're doubling down on this, folks. The night after the title match, the night after the heel champion cheated and beat the babyface, he comes back out to open the show, obviously, and talk about how great he is. And again, this all makes sense if you're thinking, well, who's he going to feud with next? Except in the middle of his promo to open the show, he says, I guess you could say me beating Kane last night was like the final nail in Katie Vick's coffin. And there's just an audible like, look from the crowd like oh no we haven't oh, we haven't got away from this. it <laughs> and they start he just starts roasting kane again he says man kane isn't even he's not even at the building yet i hope he didn't get in a car wreck and kill somebody and he and rick flair start laughing and jr's just like is this supposed to be comedy <laughs> is this funny i love Speaking jr for all of us and yeah, sadly, the writers did not ask the same questions. But now Triple H, not content with beating Kane and presumably like embarrassing him so badly that Kane just wants to be left alone for a little while, especially after losing the title match, Triple H comes back and says, I know what you all have been wanting to know more about. And it's that it's all that horrible stuff that I said last week. Well, this week, I have video evidence. Oh boy! See now, this this is always, this is always a nice little red flag. Whenever anyone in any mm-hmm. wrestling says I have video evidence, you best mm-hmm. believe there is not going to be any real video evidence of any kind. At least ninety eight percent of the time. Mm-hmm. And, and we Rick talked Flair. about this. We talked about this yeah. even on last week's episode with the stupid uh, Don Marie and Tori Wilson thing. Don Marie's like, I have video proof of Tori Wilson being a sexual predator. And everyone's all like, yeah, 
way. And Taz is like, I can't wait. And then they yep. show the video and you see them kiss. And then Al Wilson's like, stop the video. Stop the video. And then everyone's like, boo. <laughs> I'm about to riot on this man, including the announcers. And mm-hmm. then he's like, I don't want to see any more of this. And then she's like, okay, fine. And then leaves. And everyone's like, we paid for this pay-per-view to see this. And we didn't even get to see it. <laughs> I forgot that they put it on a pay-per-view. I'm just saying, if anything ever says, we Mm -hmm. have video evidence of anything, and especially if it's in a way to sell a pay-per-view, do Mm -hmm. not listen. Yeah, don't watch. It's wrong. So, well, this is the funny thing. This is the beautiful thing about 2002. Ric Flair immediately produces a VHS tape, like from his blazer. Like, he's got it. He's got the (laughs) tape. It's the literal tape. And this is a great – this is kind of like what you talked about earlier with AEW. The Hurricane comes running down to the ring to try and steal the tape, like to protect his friend and his tag team partner. So he lays out Triple H. He lays out he, like Ric Flair. He's chasing Ric Flair around the ring. But Triple H has gotten back up and you know lays him out. They beat him down, leave him lying in the ring, and make their way up the ramp, presumably to give the video to the people in the production truck. And – the one thing this angle does have over last week's angle is that JR, rightfully so, is horrified by all of this. Even if you do have Jerry being like, it's a video of Kane having sex. Let's see it. Let's watch it. And JR is just like, I question the appropriate nature of this video. Like, that's pretty great. But just think about for a second, like, two weeks ago, we had a really great episode of Raw that spent the whole show building up to the main events of a great TLC match. This week we have an episode of Raw that is building up to Triple H delivering a video to the production truck with some sketchy stuff on it. Yay. And he he gives it to the production truck and he says, you play it when I tell you to play it. And they're like, sure, we'll listen to you, man, who's not our boss, whatever. <laughs> That that is another one of my favorite things in wrestling. That the heel or whoever it is can just like get anyone on the production team to do whatever they want. I do always mm-hmm. find that funny. Yeah. So Triple H has another backstage interview now, and I I don't think it's Coachman, but it's somebody similar. You know, some some generic backstage interviewer. And the question again is basically just like, okay, you serious? Like you're really you're really gonna go through with this? This is what you're choosing to do as the champion on our show? Okay. (laughs) And Triple H says, all right, play the footage. And then it starts to roll, and we see a disclaimer in front of it. Like, WWE is just asking you to change the channel again, basically. (laughs) They're just like, you sure, right? Like, this is – like, what is – Oh, that's my favorite part of this whole thing. They even warn you, don't watch this piece of crap. Please change the channel. Oh, man, that is great. That reminds me of, is it before South Park? The disclaimer is like the following show is patently offensive and due to its content should not be viewed by anyone. Like, it's that kind of thing. Just Except unironically. Yeah, exactly. So, okay. So, uh, the the footage rolls and... um, we kind of kind of pans up and we see a coffin, you know, like an open coffin in a funeral home. And then we pan over to the door and we see a man walk in in a cane mask and a cane t-shirt. 
And for a half second, you might be tempted to think it's Kane, but it, you, like the, the, the body clearly doesn't fit. And you hear Triple H go, hello, is anyone here? It's me, Kane. And then he starts to creep into the funeral parlor. Now, I will give Triple H credit for this. Um, that's a joke technically and that's actually kind of funny like you know how we've talked about like <laughs> triple h when he's in dx he can be a good comedic yeah, actor he, he's got he's got yeah he's able to be funny and that that bit is genuinely funny because it's so clearly not kane and he goes it's me kane like low-hanging fruit but it's goofy it's the kind of thing he does well and the crowd actually laughs a little bit because they're like oh this will be a fun triple h comedy bit right he's good at those right and then he makes his way over to the mannequin and he starts to talk to her. And it's like the worst version of Hamlet in the world. Like it's – I mean it's literally about three minutes of uninterrupted like Triple H pretending to be Kane talking to what is a, a, a mannequin in a cheerleader's costume because WWE is nothing if not subtle. And he's talking, you know, I really – I always liked you and I know you like me too. And now that you're dead, we can finally be together. I mean it just – he is – he is seducing this mannequin. That's the only way that I can really put it. And he puts, you know, he, he puts one hand on one of her breasts and then the second hand on the other one of the mannequin's breasts. And at some point, I th- it's about this point. It's when he actually lays hands on her that the crowd goes, oh, no. <laughs> oh, 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 no. Uh he hasn't told any jokes in like four minutes. This is really bad. Um, and then he says, wow, Katie, you feel so stiff. I know what else is stiff. And the crowd goes, oh, no. <laughs> it's just getting worse and worse. And he, and he starts to undress the mannequin in the coffin. And then he takes his own shirt off. And then he, he climbs into the coffin and he starts to hump the mannequin in the coffin and just really goes for it. There's no joke. There's no punchline. There's no like, oh, we're just being goofy. It's just like six and a half uninterrupted minutes of Triple H seducing, undressing, and making love to a mannequin in a funeral home. <sighs> Harris... I, I got nothing. Never mind. <laughs> nothing. Um, it's yeah. Nope. I'm not gonna say anyone should watch this, but I will say the initial like the crowd reaction going from oh this is Triple H being funny this should be good to no actually this is bad to no actually this is the worst thing I've ever seen and I'm not a wrestling fan anymore <laughs> is very funny. <laughs> That that is the progression. It's, I feel like that at least a right. few times every every year. Be, yeah, well, and that is like that's the, the context here because Triple H is normally very good at like walking the line between this is funny and this is offensive, but it's always like silly enough. You know, it's like him with a grill in the middle of the ring saying, "Sean and I both brought jumbo weenies to the cookout," and you're like, "This is dumb." But it's dumb in like a juvenile way, not dumb in like a I'm a necrophiliac way. <laughs> I just don't – it defies description. I knew what this was. Like any wrestling fan knows what Katie Vick is. I had never sat down and watched the entire thing right. until 
this episode and it defies description. It is worse than you think it is. That's the only way I can put it. And then, Mark, if you, you know, if you're listening to this and you think, "Hey, this is pretty bad, but maybe not the worst wrestling angle that I've ever it, heard." No, Harris, it already sounds like the worst wrestling angle. <laughs> well, ever. good. I'm glad you're on board. I'm just, you know, for those of you at home, for those of you playing along at home, if you think that Maybe, you know, you've heard worse. Don't worry. They save the best for last because the last thing that happens in this video is he says, I did it. I really did it. And he leans down, reaches into her head, pulls out a handful of something, looks at it and says, I really did screw your brains out. And then the video ends. Are you are you hitting yourself in the head with your microphone, or is that is that just what it sounds like? That's what that's that's what it is. Yeah. Yep. So that was. I already knew this was a bad angle. That was the moment where the angle jumped the shark for me. It was already terrible, but just that extra little kick, that little exclamation point on the whole thing, you get another audible groan from the crowd, like a literal. I feel dumber for having been here and seen this that sort of thing and we cut back to triple h just crying laughing like that's the funniest thing he's ever seen the interviewer is horrified jr is horrified jerry thinks it's hilarious because he's just he's a degenerate but what are you gonna do you know and okay so terry goes to kane for comment uh doesn't get any comment obviously, because Kane doesn't want to talk about that. Weirdly, I feel like the reaction here is like, this says a lot more about Triple H than it does about me, right? Because that wasn't me. That was Triple H being a big weirdo. But Kane, you know, he's a fragile boy. He's not in a position to think that clearly. He just storms around, doesn't want to talk to anybody. They technically have a tag team match as the main event. He just beats the crap out of Triple H the entire time. They brawl to the backstage the show is about to go off the air. They're beating each other up on cars. He choke slams Triple H into the hood of his own car, drags him around to the back. Hurricane comes sprinting in out of nowhere, you know, like Burt Ward or something, <laughs> sprints out of backstage, opens the trunk. He picks up Triple H, throws him into the trunk, and slams the trunk shut. <laughs> and then this is funny because okay, this it goes is the best once again part from— of the, This is the best part of the angle so far. It goes from like supernatural monster Kane back to like good guys sort of redneck buddy Kane because he looks at Hurricane. He's like, you better get out of here, kid. Go on, get. And Hurricane's like, all right, and runs off. <laughs> and Kane oh. squats down by the trunk of the car and he says, now I'm going to screw you. Oh, boy. The only question is, will it be while you're still alive? Or will I just wait until you're dead? Okay, hold on just a second there. This yep. is all awful, except for the hurricane part, which is great. That line is awesome. <laughs> it is a pretty great, like, little reversal. Just going to say, that is... that. Is, and now, it's not awesome because everything is stupid, but as far as lines go, that's that's not a bad line. It's not the worst moment in this feud, for sure. I mean, I think, you know, it's like that... Um. It's like that bit in the Emperor's New Groove, right? We're at the very end crime because like, whoa, that's kind of like what he said to you when you got fired. You know, <laughs> you're like, oh, yeah, you said that earlier. That's good. Right. <laughs> oh, man. So then Kane, Kane gets into the wheel, you know, gets behind the wheel, 
peels off, and the last thing we hear is Jerry the King Lawler say, Oh, no, this is terrible. Kane's behind the wheel of a car. It writes itself at this point. It just it, it writes itself. That I laughed at that because, again, it's very stupid, very horrible. Jerry refusing to ever acknowledge like the actual worst thing that's happening is very funny. And that line funny. was great. That is good. So Kane, <laughs> Kane peels off and the show ends and you're like, well, that was stupid. But boy, if, if we got all this build for one pay-per-view match and this is still going on the week after the pay-per-view match, I can't wait to see the blow off to this feud at a pay-per-view, right? At least out of some like morbid sense of curiosity, not right. excitement. Sure. Well, um, I am too, and we're still waiting on it because they didn't have a blow-off at a pay-per-view match. <laughs> of course not. The next week on Raw, we come back, and first of all, the show opens with Triple H again, and I thought, oh, that's actually good. That makes sense because like, clearly something big happened this week. But in kayfabe, like, you can't open the show with Triple H still being missing because that makes no sense. Like, the cops at least would have found him after a week. You know what I mean? Like, Kane must have done something to him or he escaped or we'll see a video of, like, him getting away from Kane. No. None of that happens. Right. <laughs> the show opens and Triple H walks down to the ring. And just no-sells the entire thing instantly. He literally gets to the ring and he just says, Hey, Kane, next time you kidnap someone and throw them in the trunk of your car, make sure the trunk doesn't have one of those little child safety hatches on the inside that allows them to just pop the trunk and hop out before you even drive away. Duh! <laughs> Again, this is worse. But Triple H... It is so literally getting worse. How can it get worse? So un <laughs> Triple H so unnecessarily burying like one of the fun things that are happening during this angle oh is so on brand. Just so typical that I can't uh... it's only it's funny because it's 20 years down the line and it can't hurt me anymore. But my word, do anything else. Anything else. But geez, so as we'll as, as we'll see, the plan was not to continue this feud, not because anyone was offended by it, by the way. The week after airing this horrible vignette of him humping a, ma a mannequin resembling a dead woman in her own coffin and screwing her brains out, Triple H comes down to the ring and says, a lot of people last week were really offensive by what they saw in that video. And I have to agree with them. The things Kane did to that poor girl in the funeral parlor were sick. And frankly, I'm disgusted. Like, he's not even trying. You know, they just roll right with it. They're not trying to pull the plug on the angle, like, because people were offended. If that's what, you know, you, you were thinking at home, because that would sort of make sense. No, they double <laughs> right down. In fact, Triple H says, you know, I, I, I get that a lot of people were offended, and I was too. But there's one person whose perspective we really haven't heard here, and that's not mine. It's not Kane's. It's not even you people's opinion. It's Katie Vick's opinion. 
And I got to be honest with you, if this ended with Katie Vick returning, like still alive, I would almost be more impressed with this angle. <laughs> Just because at that point, you're so, you've jumped the shark so hard that you're in the stratosphere and like you can't hurt me anymore. It's right. too weird. Instead, after Triple H says, we haven't heard Katie Vick's opinion, the camera pans to the right of the ring and we see a coffin there. And Triple H goes over to it and opens it to reveal the same mannequin with the same cheerleader uniform as last week. So we're doubling down on the mannequin. Oh, my On gosh. the dead girl mannequin. It wasn't enough. It wasn't enough. The people demanded more. It wasn't enough. And he picks, you know, he, he, he picks up Katie Vick and says a lot of things like, wow, you're just drop dead sexy, aren't you? And, oh, you, you look dead tired and. Oh, wow, you you got a lot of dead weight there. I mean, like, every single one of them, he hits in about 30 seconds. Like, think of a dead pun. He hits it. It's incredible. It's horrible. Drags her to the ring and begins doing what I can only describe as the worst puppet show of all time. Interviewing her like she's, you know, like a, a marionette or something. Like a puppet on his arm. Like the world's worst ventriloquist show. Sure. And I'm not – I didn't write it all down verbatim, but he basically just goes on to use it as an excuse to make fun of Cain and his – you know, and, and how when he was burned by fire as a child, it also burned his penis. And Katie Vick is talking about his burnt penis, and finally Triple H just looks at the camera and says, if you were seriously offended by that last week, I seriously don't care because I'm the champ. I can do what I want in cliche – He'll promo, cliche, he'll promo, cliche, he'll promo. Well, that's good, I guess. So they just, they doubled right down on using the offensive stuff. And I respect it, even if it's not good or entertaining. Like, at least they stuck to their guns on it, I guess. So at this point, Kane makes his way down to the ring. They start fighting. Eric Bischoff, you know, they pull him apart. And Eric Bischoff says, okay, you know what? If you guys want to fight, you can do it in the main event. And you can do it in a casket match. Of course. I, I hope it's a different casket than the one Katie Vick was in. But I can't like I can't imagine they have another one sitting around any anywhere. No, it's got to be Eric the Eric Bischoff same was one. literally like, well, we've got a perfectly good one here. Let's just use it for this gimmick match. Oh, it's got to be the same one. So after all that, after costing Kane his tag title and denying him his shot at the World Heavyweight title. And at some point in all this, I, I don't remember exactly when it happened because it wasn't related to the Katie Vick story, but I'm pretty sure he interfered in a match and caused Kane to lose his Intercontinental title as well. So now Kane has nothing. He's alone. He's furious. He's been accused of these horrible things. He's been portrayed doing all these horrible things. Surely we're getting some major blow-off. We're getting a major payback moment for Kane, even if it's not for the title, to put Triple H in his place. Just kidding. Shawn Michaels shows back up, interferes in the match, super kicks Triple H, runs away, and Kane rolls him in the coffin for the win. <sighs> and that was the end of this angle. Yay. I'm not going to say nothing entertaining happened in it. The matches themselves are all pretty good. The best part about this episode... Once you get past the garbage at the beginning is that it ends with Shawn Michaels making his surprise return for the first time in years, super kicking Triple H, dancing and like hip thrusting his way across the ring with a shirt that says Jesus Christ on the back. Mm -hmm. 
and then dancing and hip thrusting on top of the coffin that Triple H has been buried in. That is bad wrestling in the best possible way. It's yeah, tremendously good. entertaining, and Shawn Michaels is a weird and fantastic human being. Yeah, that, that's good the stuff. Act, the actual booking, the Triple H promos, the video, the actual video, the worst thing I've ever seen. <laughs> Made worse by the fact that it was for the title, the world right. title. Like, I know we're annoyed right now on Raw because we're like, hey, this Lana Bobby Lashley stuff is pretty stupid and kind of offensive. And aren't kids kind of your main demographic, especially when you book the show so stupidly? And also, hey, this Supernatural character isn't being booked really well in Bray Wyatt, and I don't really like this champion that much in Seth Rollins. But at least they don't lump them all together anymore. At least Bobby Lashley and Lana are far, far away from the main title picture. Well, that's that is that's good. That's true and good. So that's it, Mark. Do you have any other thoughts about the Katie Vick incident? I now do. that you don't have to research it or ever think about it again. I do, um, because while you were talking about this, I was like, you know what? I need to look up some of this stuff because I want to hear more of the backstory of this angle. Because that's what we're supposed to do with this show. So I'm gonna try and I'm gonna try. And give you some someone's thoughts of who is there. And this person is, of course, Bruce Pritchard. Because on his podcast, I don't know when this was from. This was from a few years ago, I think. I think like sometime in 2017 when they covered this topic. And he talked about this topic. Because, of course, Bruce Pritchard, one of the senior writers of WWE through the Attitude Era in the early 2000s and everything. So he was there for this. And... Apparently, the, the whole reason for this show, or for, I mean, for this angle, was to introduce a character called Scott Vick, who was part of the de- the uh, developmental system, and he and um, he was going to come in and work with, like, Kane or, or Triple H or someone like that, and so Katie Vick, it was somehow a way to introduce him. But he was doing, he was like really bad and had like horrible matches, like dark matches and stuff. And so at some point they just were like, scrap, you know, we're not going to go with him. But they had already like teased this Katie Vick name at some point. So they're like, all right, let's just make it Kane and it can be his girlfriend. And apparently this was a big time for Vince where, which is definitely true, where he's like, we need more soap opera and more stories. And which is very true because we just talked about Tori Wilson and Don Murray, which happened later the same year. Um, so that was part of Vince's uh, um, mindset at this point. So they just started like throwing things out there about and uh, and and it came to the story of Kane accidentally didn't murder her, but driving and oh then drinking and he's just like yeah it just kept growing and he's quoted from the podcast he says don't suggest or say things in jest that you don't want to have show up on the show (laughs) and see i love that because that that makes all the sense in the world and we talked about one of those instances back a while ago and we talked about the black scorpion angle in wcw which go and check that (laughs) podcast out because that was literally mentioned as a joke and then turned yeah. into an actual angle, which is hilarious. That is um, fantastic. So yeah, I would. I guess. I guess you could um, look up some other stuff that he says because he. I mean, he goes into detail about this whole thing. And once, 
And okay, let's the elephant in the story here. Um, the funeral home thing. The apparently the idea was it was supposed to be like a spoof of Katie Vick's right. funeral, like you know, Kane, like that Kane tried to get in, and and of course Triple H was being this like heelish per- pervert character, um, and then the sex with the corpse thing was planned, but it was supposed to be like tongue in cheek, over the top. And he mentioned, it says he mentioned, like, Pink Panther level, like, ridiculous. Which still sounds horrible, but, like, that it that makes a little bit more sense. Right. Even, even though it still is terrible. Um, the other thing, apparently, this is a real funeral home, and there was a real wake going on in the other room. Yep, I have heard that story. That's, oh, that, that's that, funny... In and out of kayfabe because right in kayfabe like the implication from everyone we've seen is that Ric Flair is the one filming all of this right. and that was also quite funny to watch and funny. think about as soon as you realize it's Triple H you can only picture Ric Flair behind the camera going <laughs> this is great keep going and apparently there were several crew members that just up and quit um, that for that, them. that worked on this they were so offended by having to be a part yeah. of all this that several the phrase, of them quit. The, the phrase that comes to mind is from this British comedian named Matt Kirshen. At one point, he talks about being heckled by a fan on stage, and he says it would have been brilliant if he had meant it ironically, but he didn't. He just meant it. And that's what this whole video feels like. Yeah. Like, if they were trying to do it ironically – it did not work. Yeah. Um, another thing is they were re- they were apparently real ready to do this like over the top spoof goofy thing, and then at the last minute, Vince apparently got super serious about it, and was like, "Oh, that'll never work. You've got to do it straight. That's where the humor is." That was the the quote from that, and, and Bruce Prichard <laughs> is saying, "But like, if someone looks at this." You- like, how are you? How did? How does? There's this nothing pre- humorous about. No, that. he's just like, how do we do anything if we play this straight? He's like, how? And his his quote was, how do you? How do you do a straight necrophilia scene on television? And so apparently there was a big argument, and Vince and Triple H and Bruce wanted to do it their other way, but Vince. Want to do it that way. So they, they shot both of them, apparently. They shot a serious one and a ridiculously goofy one. And then after that, Vince still did the other one and, and aired it. And, um, well, that, that there it is. and Because Vince loved it, apparently. So I just want a WWE 24 where he has to explain this to his children one day. I don't know if Triple H's kids know about this yet. They probably just, do. Who knows? Oh, my goodness. Imagine going to school and having kids bring that up. <sighs> oh, boy. So that's, I mean, in terms of the angles that we've covered, I think that might be rock bottom in the world of professional wrestling. I can't think of anything off the top of my head that people refer to as worse. There's a couple things yeah. that are on par, but they're wrestling disasters in the sense of, like like I said, David Arquette. Where they're right. like, hey, that was a bad booking decision. Not like, hey, I hate this and I never want to watch your product again. Yeah. yeah. Man, apparently even Kevin Dunn was like telling Vince, we can't air this. 
Jeez. Well, you know, for the sake of this show, at least it's shout out to uh, something to we wrestle got, with know. Bruce Prichard for for information. Oh yeah, for sure. Go listen to that. I want to listen That's to that episode. Much better podcast than this one. I think they knew that already. <laughs> That's all I got, I, Mark. I wanted I wanted to make it seem like we were conceding something, like you know mm. there was something. Yeah, but yeah, mm. you're right. You're right. All right. Well. That's all we got for this episode of Behind the Gorilla. Yeah, sorry. We had to cover it at some point. It just, you know, it had to be done, and we got it out of the way. And now we don't have to talk about it ever again, so that's good news. So, uh, yeah, thanks so much for listening, guys. Next week, um, next week, um, it might be a little off because I know Harris is traveling and stuff. So we'll, we'll try and get something done maybe a little early. And have it ready for next Monday. But who knows? Maybe we'll be late. Not sure. We'll try and get it done Monday. And um, it, it might be different. We, we'll have to decide. We might just do the whole episode talking about David Arquette movie. Who knows? That, that, would be, that might be kind of fun. So definitely tune in for that. Another episode of uh, Behind the Gorilla. So uh, Harris, any final thoughts? Thanks for listening. That's yeah. that's about all I got. We're very sorry. Watch some pro wrestling this week. There's a lot of yeah, good stuff yeah, out yeah. there. Yeah, A lot of good stuff going. So uh, make sure. It's just like, yeah. Go ahead. I, yeah, we, we just threw off the rhythm again. Yeah, Even if did. it's just like 30 minutes of NWA on YouTube. Like, it's so easy to find anything. Dynamite's on. That's good. Raw and SmackDown have good things, yeah. even if they're not good. But especially Dynamite and NWA. Like, check some new stuff out. There's good stuff out there. We didn't even it's not talk. All Katie Vick. We didn't even talk about the draft, which I didn't care about at all, and I thought was done yeah, in the most boring way possible. But yeah, anyway. it's fu- we can't get into it right now, Mark. Signing yeah. off. Yeah, we got to be done. Do all right, so uh, follow the uh, podcast Twitter page at behind underscore gorilla. We follow back all wrestling fans. It's always fun to have discussions there. Post all the links for all the episodes and any information you need on the show. You can definitely find at our Twitter page. You can also follow us on Facebook. Just search Behind the Gorilla Wrestling Podcast um, for any of you that are on that. And you follow me on Twitter at Mark Markbrand. And I'm at Harris Wilson. So do that as well. And, uh, yeah, leave us a review and rating on iTunes. That always helps. So that does it for another episode of Behind the Gorilla. And I'm Mark. And I'm Harris. Thanks so much for listening, and have a great week.